for kids. to the No Sports Trivia Podcast. We are Ben McKenzie and Ken McBenzie, and we host a bunch of feminist pub quizzes in San Francisco. <laughs> they are the most fun you can have without celebrating National Haunted Refrigerator Night. So we make this podcast to share the experience of fans near and far who can't make it down to the bar. We write an original game every week where we ask questions about anything that isn't sports. We've got the best taste and we like the best stuff. So our research takes us to some super fucking weird corners of history, human behavior, and the natural world. We couldn't possibly fit it all into one game and we're not going to keep it all to ourselves. Books don't actually burn at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. Really? So we want to share information like that with you too. Tell me more. Well, it's like, first of all, what do you mean? Like, Bradbury was saying that that's the temperature at which they will spontaneously burst into flame without being ignited. But then it's also like the type of paper matters a lot. How thick the book is matters a lot. Whether or not it's bundled matters a lot. Some people actually think he confused centigrade and Fahrenheit, which means he was off by 391 degrees. I love nerds so much! And they still can't agree, which is also great. Like, Uh, everyone agrees he's wrong, but, like, not in what specific way. Nerds. Okay. So we hosted a book game recently. <laughs> yes, we did. And it was really cute. It's it was the, bookworm it's, trivia. It's the second book game we've done, and they're always so cozy and fun. I know. We played one of my very favorite styles of this or that in this game. I fucking love these. We call this particular series of this or that games the wisdom of Amazon reviewers. Yes. And this one was one star reviews of classic works of literature. Oh my god. We read the it was reviews. hard. It is hard. We read the review. The reviews are very bad. <laughs> we read them. The players had to guess the book. Hey, Ken. Hey, Ben. Here's one for you. <laughs> Name this book. Maybe I've been reading too much Sookie and Twilight, but I thought this quote-unquote classic kind of sucked. <laughs> Literally. Okay. Firstly, as someone who has read both the Southern Vampire <laughs> Mysteries and the Twilight series, I think it's rare that you get someone to publicly acknowledge that they've read both. I certainly wouldn't acknowledge that I've read both if I didn't use a pseudonym on this show. <laughs> but it's Dracula. Yeah, not only do they admit that they read both, but they vastly prefer them to Dracula. Hey, Ken. Yes, ben. This reviewer says, Ugh. Just because it was written yonks ago by a depressed girl living on the Yorkshire Moors does not make it good. I'd rather poke my eye out with my Kindle than read this or anything else by the Bronte sisters again. I found this review deeply disturbing because I was like, did I black out and get into a time machine, which I would otherwise never do (laughs) when I was in high school, come to the future, write this Amazon review, and then quick go back to high school? Um, Because this is about Jane Eyre, and I do concur with the sentiments. (laughs) Ooh, I enjoyed this one very much. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ken. Note to Disney lovers. <laughs> don't buy this book thinking it's like the Disney movie because it's not. <laughs> All caps, not. <laughs> the movie was very watered down and changed a lot of things from the book. This book was by far the most disturbing book I have ever read in my life, and I've read a lot. 
I would not recommend it for any kids who don't like violence or any kids at all. It is The Hunchback Under the Thumb. To be honest, I had forgotten that it was a Disney movie. <laughs> I don't think anyone watched it. Like, knowing only, like, the Cliff Notes version of the plot, it is not a movie that immediately springs to mind as, like, begging for an animated children's adaptation. Yeah, but, like, is Snow White. Like, all, that, that is very true. All fairy tales are super fucked up and gross. And so Disney sense, doesn't actually make is. them less gross. No. It's like, oh yeah, we're for sure still going to have a dude, like, Oh, that dude up is straight up assaulting an unconscious woman for romance purposes. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Ken. Quote, judging <laughs> by the way he writes his female characters, Henry James either was never actually exposed to women, or the ones he met were given the bottomies at age seven. End quote. This was a really good pick, I think, for this question, because if it did not include the name of the author, it could apply to, like, literally any Anything. novel written by a dude. All. All. In this case, it is, of course, Portrait of a Lady, but it does not matter. <laughs> oh, my very favorite one. It's time for my very favorite one. Hey, Ben. Hey, Jen. Essentially, the plot of Jaws. <laughs> this is my favorite one-star review of anything ever. <laughs> It's Moby Dick. Speaking of fucking Melville. Fuck Melville! Books are cool. <laughs> they are. And everything. I like books. And we do enjoy talking about them, but I actually have a topic I'm even more excited to discuss. I can't believe it, but go. This evening. Okay. It is related to trivia themes. <laughs> and it's most of all related to the way that we figure out how we're going to write our names. Yeah. I would say, like, sometimes we're really stoked about something. Yeah. And so we write a trivia game about yeah. it. Sometimes something is timely. And then sometimes there, like, aren't any candidate options mm-hmm. in either of those categories. And in that case, I don't know about you, but what I do is go to the Wikipedia page for that date and look at whatever weird-ass holidays there are. Indeed. And that has been the source of some of our most popular pub quizzes. Oh, my God. One of my favorites was Sneak a Zucchini Onto Your Neighbor's Porch Day, mm-hmm. which... That's a really we good one. Now was attributed to Ruth and Thomas Roy. Ruth, Ruth and, and Thomas, Thomas Roy. Roy are my best friends. You. They don't know that they're my best friends, but they are my best friends. They are Ruth and Tom. We're probably gonna come on tour to you. We're coming to your herb, herb booth at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Festival, where you are every summer, according to your website. Don't worry, I have my Amprad sword because you. Are responsible for 70, 70 <laughs> delightful ass holidays. <laughs> Each one potentially better than the last. Indeed. I would say, like. And they're copyrighted. They are copyrighted, which I actually don't totally approve of, but I will give you a pass, Ruth and Thomas, because I love you so much. And uh, I think we're going to discuss a few of our favorites right now. Mm-hmm. Which one's your favorite? We are recording this on November 28th, which means. We are just around the corner from <laughs> December 1st, which is bifocals at the Monitor Liberation Day. Liberation. Yeah. The copy of the website, I think, is extremely sweet and it's empathetic. So sincere. <clears throat> Our hearts fill with compassion today. For co-workers stuck wearing bifocals at the PC, shed a tear as their heads bob up and down, in and out, trying to read the monitor, trying to decide which set of lenses to use. That same week, the same week, we segue right into bathtub party day. Tuesday, December 5th. (laughs) On the day when we will be at the SF Bay Guardian Best of the Bay honorees party, being recognized for being the best trivia in San Francisco, other people, presumably Ruth and Thomas, will be celebrating bathtub party day. 
They recommend you invite a few friends. Ruth and Thomas have a very active social life. I'm super into it. I can tell they have a very active social life by their December 13th holiday, mm. which is pick a pathologist pal day. <laughs> Pathologists and coroners are an especially jovial lot, and befriending one of them offers an ongoing reminder that tomorrow is not necessarily a guarantee. You can tell that Ruth and Thomas are real animal lovers. God, I love And you could really, their empathy really comes through. I know, it's really I tender say, stuff. I love these holidays, never less than on September 28th. Mm-hmm. which is Fish Tank Floor Show Night. <laughs> I also like this one because you can't tell right away from the title what it is. Here's the text from the website. All year the fish and other denizens of the tank have to stay under the spotlight and keep us entertained. Well, turnabout is fair play. Gather family and friends around the aquarium and dance and sing. It's a day where you perform for your fish. That is mm-hmm. this holiday. They recommend singing La Mer or performing Swan Lake. In conclusion, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ruth and Thomas Roy. You have enriched everyone's life so much. And without further ado, um, <laughs> it is also a privilege and honor to talk to our guests. Let's let's get to the interview. Let's, let's do the let's interview. Trivia. Yeah. Hi, friends. We're about to talk to a rad cervical health educator. This episode does contain a brief discussion of violation of consent sexual assault, and medical abuse. We love you, and we want you to feel safe listening to our podcast, so we are going to pop into the interview before it comes up to let you know how far to skip ahead if you'd like to bypass that section. We've, We've got, got your back. back. Hello, Trivios. You are at home with Ben and Ken, where we are discussing the finer points of Andrews cinema and playing trivia with Charlie, a professional pelvis. Hello, Charlie. Hi. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have the most interesting job I have ever recited into the microphone. <laughs> Could you tell our listeners what being a professional pelvis entails? Yeah. So my actual title is a gynecological teaching associate. Um, it means that I wrangle scared med students and teach them how to do pain-free, trauma-informed pelvic exams and breast exams and sexual history interviews. <laughs> Thank you for your work. <laughs> how did you get into this? I have always been a nerd for vaginas, and I used to volunteer at the Berkeley Free Clinic in their Saturday services section doing sexual health care for women and transgender folk and a bunch of folks at the bfc end up working at my company so just a chain of pussy nerdery. one thing led to another yes <laughs> how would you say the med students are when you first encounter them petrified <laughs> generally petrified <laughs> uh, do you have any strategies for like de-petrifying them yeah generally acknowledging the anxiety i ask them how they're feeling they all freeze and then i say some students are nervous and they all kind of exhale and sink into their chairs and are you s- in the stirrups at this time no no i generally try not to talk in the stirrups or with my vagina out because they they panic that makes sense yeah <laughs> drapes are handy when i need to talk <laughs> so there's some sort of presentation quick q a before they do the simulation yeah it's three students and me in a clinic room and i sit in front of the the chair with the stirrups and my handy dandy vulva puppet to break the ice pause <laughs> yeah let's yes. revisit let's just really quick get more into that <laughs> so um my favorite teaching tool is a plush vulva. It has a trademark named. It's the Wondrous Vulva Puppet. Wondrous. Yes, Wondrous. No, I mean, all vulvas are Wondrous, yeah. but I'm not sure why it's specifically in the trademark. WVP. Um, <laughs> it is available on Etsy. You too can purchase one. Some of them are rainbow. Some of them have glitter. I chose the most sedate one I could find, which is purple velvet. Professional one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I didn't think my students could handle like glitter leopard print pussy <laughs> on their first day. So the business class vulva puppet is purple velvet yeah in my opinion (laughs) yeah and also that's like the one prince would buy totally (laughs) 
Just velvet classes up everything, I feel like. His prince was also a professional pelvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we all sit in a room and I do, I kind of talk them through everything and then I assume that they're going to forget it, so I talk them through it again when they're putting their hands on and in me. <laughs> do you see the same student more than once? Do you like see them progress in um, their abilities and comfort? In general, no. We try to split things up so students only see one part of an educator's body. So we come back to the same school multiple times, but if they've done a pelvic, they don't get to see my boobs. That <laughs> keeps it a little bit more professional. Right. At one school, I get to test them after they've uh, learned from us and then also worked with real patients for six weeks. Sometimes that goes well and sometimes it does not. And it makes me feel bad for the patients in those six weeks. But <laughs> What are some real common missteps? Students tend to try to use really casual language so they're not using overly medical language and freaking people out. But sometimes that turns into using language that their patients would hear in other cancelous scenarios. So Don't cross the streams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, we encourage the use of lubricant for patient comfort, and they'll say things like, I'm just going to lube up my fingers. And I'm no. like, no, 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 you are not. <laughs> How would you recommend a med student say that instead? For your comfort, I am going to lubricate this, and then we'll move on to the exam. So, And then you can talk about the fact that you're going to insert a finger to examine internal structures, but not in conjunction with lube. You don't say, I'm going to lube up. Never. And pop on you. No. Weirdly, oh. no. You also don't say pull out. Sometimes they won't tell me that they're pulling out the speculum, and I'm like, you are never pulling anything out. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a thing. FYI. <laughs> also, I try to get them to call the exam table a table, not a bed. They're trained to say bed in other scenarios, but I want them to move away from that language. Do you have any advice for people who are receiving a pelvic exam who find it difficult to communicate with their provider? Ooh. That's a really good question. So my biggest advice for anyone who's getting a pelvic is that it shouldn't hurt, ever. Uh, You should feel pressure, not pain. And honestly, if you are struggling to communicate with your provider, with a good provider, you could just acknowledge that you're feeling nervous and a good provider will be able to hear that. Kind of acknowledging the anxiety reduces the anxiety in the room. So a good provider, if you say, hey, this freaks me out, I've had a bad exam, will say, okay, what can I do to help it be better for you today? If they don't respond like that, you don't want to have a pelvic with them and might reschedule with someone else if you can. <laughs> What's some language that patient could use during the exam? How can they prepare the provider? So I teach my students to actually set that system up for their patients. I have them say before they begin, this exam should involve pressure but no pain. If at any point you feel uncomfortable or want to stop for any reason, say stop or raise your hand and I'll stop and check in and either adjust or end the exam altogether. Not all providers are going to say that because I've only been teaching for two years. (laughs) But uh, you could, right before the exam starts, when your provider says, do you have any questions, say, I'm a little nervous about being uncomfortable or about pain. Um, If I say stop, can you stop and check in with me about how to proceed and a good provider would be happy to have that bit of feedback. What kind of training did you receive? Really fun awkward training. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My first day at work I did a pelvic on the director of my company Um, and then I received pelvics from the folks that were training with me. It's a big day. It was. (laughs) I was definitely rather anxious going forward and ate a whole bunch of ice cream that night once (laughs) I was done. (laughs) Pause. Charlie is about to talk about violation of consent, sexual assault, and medical abuse. If you want to skip this part of the interview, fast forward about 75 seconds. That's five clicks of the handy iTunes skip button. Starting, Starting now. now. 
How common are programs like yours? Not that common. They should be more common. <laughs> this sounds like a really amazing model, but it sounds like not every med school does this. How do medical students usually learn pelvic uh, exams? Traditionally, medical students learn how to do pelvic exams on patients who have been sedated for surgery. So if you have gone in for surgery at a teaching hospital in certain areas, you might receive uh, non-consensual pelvic exams from med students, often more than one med student which is fucked up on any number of levels because A, medical rape, and then B, med students are taught to perform this exam on bodies that don't have physiological response to pressure they're putting on them. They don't know how to incorporate feedback or deal with a tense body. And then they go out and practice on awake humans and it's not good. So that's why we are here. <laughs> ben and I are like shell-shocked. <laughs> right now. Sorry y'all, it's super creepy. There's a documentary coming out about GTA work and about this awful thing that happens in med schools. And, um, it's wow. out there. And what steps can patients take to make sure that that doesn't happen to them? If That's a really good question. My best guess is reading through anything you sign before the, all your consent forms. Note if it says student exams. If you're at a teaching hospital, it probably will. And then specifically talk to whoever is having you sign the paper and say, I do not consent to this. Write it down somewhere. Or hopefully have your surgery in California. That's it. Most schools contract with us instead. <laughs> Do you serve other places in California? Yeah, we teach in California a lot in Las Vegas, weirdly. There's a lot of medical programs in Las Vegas. And Idaho. I teach a lot of Mormon doctors. They're all very nice. Many of my Las Vegas students, Mormon and otherwise, have been confused about where their clitoris is. But we talk that through. <laughs> where do they think their clitoris is? So the confusion seems to be between the clitoris and the urethra. And this isn't just in Las Vegas. Do they, like, reverse? Like, when you say confusion... <laughs> <laughs> Before I let them see my vulva, I send them out with a book of healthy and normal vulvas, like photos, and I say, identify three urethras, and then I make them point to the urethra when they come back in. And often, they point to the clitoris and tell me it's a urethra. And then we have to have a talk that the urethra is an innie and the clitoris is an outie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I find it both sad and I feel like I'm doing really good work when that happens with students who presumably have clitorises and it happens more than you would think where they go, whoa, wait, that's it? Any last takeaways for our listeners? Oh, there are different size specula. A lot of your providers will not tell you that, but if you have had painful speculum exams in the past, like it felt uncomfortable, ask for a smaller speculum. A clinic should have like down to pediatric sized and they can get it for you if they don't have it in the room. So find out like what's comfortable for yourself. If you have a good exam, ask what size the speculum was and then repeat it going forward. That is very practical advice. Nice. <laughs> I think a lot about speculum. <laughs> oh my God. Well, since you've demonstrated your tremendous vagina knowledge, are you ready to play cunt trivia? Yes, yes I am. <laughs> Fantastic. We have two rounds of trivia for you. <laughs> the second round was a real crowd pleaser when we played it at the bar. <laughs> I mean, vagina trivia was too, but like... Anyway, round one <laughs> is vagina trivia. Question one. What is vagina dentata? Ooh, vagina dentata is a vagina with teeth in it. <laughs> there is a creepy but sort of amazing movie about a vagina murdering people called Teeth. If you are into creepy horror where dudes get eaten by vaginas, <laughs> that is one available for you to watch. <laughs> In 2012, this American girl band and burlesque group ranked 100th on VH1's 100 Greatest Women in Music. Is it the Pussycat Dolls? Sure fucking is. Question three. I have a feeling you're going to get question three right. Assuming you are lucky enough to have one. 
Is your clitoris primarily an internal or external structure? It's mostly internal. The glands is the part on the outside, but there's like branches that go internal, and it's awesome. It's like Starship Enterprise kind of looking. Yeah. yeah. Very aerodynamic. That's such a good description. <laughs> it's kind of like a wishbone. I just found these 3D printed clitoris bits of jewelry on the internet, and I want to, I want them very badly, because <laughs> they look like weird little spaceship spider things. Totally. But it's a clitoris. <laughs> Whoa. Mm -hmm. Etsy. Etsy has both plush vulva puppets and clitorises. The vagina game is strong on Etsy. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> oh good, it's time for the this or that. Oh, you did great, obviously. <laughs> trivia. Perfect score. You also got a really good feeling about this one. <laughs> we are going to tell you one, two, three, four, a bunch, a bunch. Our favorite. <laughs> Uh, period euphemisms. Ooh. Euphemisms for menstruation. They are either from the French or from the German. They're all transliterated. We'll tell you them in English. Mm -hmm. You're just going to guess which nation creatively originated them. Fantastic. Are you ready? I am. I'm going to start with one of my favorite ones. The carrots are cooked. <laughs> German. French. Really? So culinary. Oh, yes. I should have known. <laughs> It's such a funny euphemism because it means there's nothing to do to change the course of events because carrots take the longest to cook. So when the carrots are cooked, the stew is done. Like, you can't turn around the ship. Oh. Like, I would think it would be a pregnancy euphemism. Yeah. With that context. You know what I mean? Oh. The French attitude is so different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it also apparently refers to a coded message sent to BBC Radio during World War II to tell the resistance of the upcoming invasion of Normandy. Huh. The French and German both have a lot of World War II period euphemisms. <laughs> I did not expect that. It's That's really amazing. <laughs> okay, next up. Code red alarm. Code red alarm. German? <laughs> yeah. I mean, any, any menstruation euphemism that aggressive? Yeah. <laughs> alarms to forgot. Alarms to forgot. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. <laughs> Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> you are doing great. Number three, taking it in a totally different direction. <laughs> the little clown with a nosebleed. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like that has to be French because the German aren't that whimsical. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Any menstruation euphemism that whimsical is going to be the French. Aggression or whimsy. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> the red plague. German. Not disproving the theory. <laughs> Pest, the red plague. Oh. It's real gnarly. Uh, there are a series of food themed ones. Number um, whatever one this is. You know, tomato juice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. French. I'm gonna say French. That's legit, but this one is in fact German. I guess that's a very literal food one. It's really it's real straightforward. Yeah, yeah. German. <laughs> How about cooking black pudding? That's French. <laughs> I think it's the most visceral of all of these. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this one is sweet. Literally. Uh, strawberry week. Oh, French. This is the the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. That one is German. Oh, I know. So whimsical, German. <laughs> the Germans did a really cute thing once. Well done. <laughs> the small little elves. French. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> they have clowns and small little elves. Who, who, who or where are the elves? Great question. <laughs> really good question. Okay. Yeah. Like, 
is your menstrual blood the elves and they're really small? So tiny. So many elves. Or are there small elves like stabbing? Mm. I have definitely, That's what it feels like. Yeah, there have been elves in my uterus kind of banging on the walls before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe they're just like responsible for the entire experience. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The tenders of the uterus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think of it as like gremlins with like real yeah. sharp claws. Yeah. So they're the mean elves, not the cute elves. Yeah. No. Entering the Red Sea. <laughs> German. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And last but certainly not least, ketchup week. You've got strawberry week and ketchup week. I want to say German because I don't think French people will admit that ketchup exists because it's not really fancy enough and yummy enough. Oh, I really like your logic. <laughs> is it French? But it is French. <laughs> Less ketchup. <laughs> I, I love that the French word for ketchup is ketchup. It's a loan word. Mm, they yeah, borrow it. That makes sense. They did not. They're not taking your responsibility for this. No. The French do not claim ketchup. <laughs> you. Great job. <laughs> You've won your trivia that we made for you. That is about vaginas. Yay! <laughs> that means you win a prize. So, you're going to win a prize. You have been to the live game before. Yes. You've done very well. So, you know. There's one roll and only one roll of the prize bag. What is it? Keep what I pick. <laughs> no, no, take that. But unlike at the bar, you get to look in the bag really? and make an informed decision. Ooh. You can narrate it for our audience at home. Let's see. I see toilet paper rolls or some sort of cardboard rolls. <laughs> Thanksgiving decaffeinated coffee. What makes it Thanksgiving? Good <laughs> question. Ooh, tiny American flag toothpicks, <laughs> and La Fresh makeup remover wipe with vitamin E. I think I'm going to go with Thanksgiving coffee, because I have to know. <laughs> I also want to know. <laughs> Please report back. I will. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is a bleeding clown and 10 is a uterus elf, how would you rate this prize? Oh, it's a 10. <laughs> uterus elves all the way. <laughs> wow. Do we like it ourselves now? Well, it's think... equally mysterious. Yeah. Mm. I like that logic. <laughs> Congratulations you. on your victory. <laughs> Guess what time it has been. It's the best time. Guess what time it is, Charlie. What time? It's 0 to 60 time. Ooh. 0 to 60 is the segment where we invite you, our esteemed guest, to perform between 0 and 60 seconds of music of your choosing. Ooh. We have a variety of instruments available for you to choose from. We have a piano. We have a guitar. We have a glockenspiel. We have the newly added potato maraca. <laughs> <laughs> I just got overly excited about the potato rock. <laughs> I'm going to do that every time. Uh, would you like to play some music? Yes, please. I will shake a potato rock. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Who knew um, that a milk carton of hash browns could be so delightful and musical? It was a birthday gift presented to me by Ben McKenzie. I would like to describe it, if I may, briefly. Yes. It is a pint-sized milk carton-shaped container called Golden Grill Hash Brown Potatoes, full of, I assume, dehydrated potatoes. Serve seven. You're welcome. <laughs> that was delightful. I also will enjoy it in good health. That was an amazing Morocco performance. Thank you. You bless us with many gifts. And uh, you bless the whole world with the gift of teaching medical students to be less awful. Thank you. Yeah, super important. Thank you so much. You're fucking incredible. Thank you. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Bye. 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 We did it. Oh, 
Oh, we did do it. That was, oh my god, that was episode 45. There are so many of these now. Yeah, and season two is going to end on episode 50, so we're, we're really getting close. Done. It's I'm almost sorry. vacation time. Like, buckle up, babes. We're, we're nearing the end, but there will be a season three. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more. Don't worry. If you are local to the Bay Area, please come play one of our live games. You can check out No Sports Trivia on Facebook for our live game calendar. As always, you can win free drinks and weird stuff from the prize bag. Please, please, please give us five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to our podcast and find us on all of the social medias. You can follow us to see drawing rounds from the pub quiz, pictures of the winners, and tons of other good stuff. You can find us at nosportstrivia.com and at nosportstrivia on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. No, no sports, sports ever. Feminism forever. forever. No sports trivia rewards you for not.